ASI episode 19. My name is Russ Shaw. Alright, no, no, no. No. <laughs> Find a better cover than that. Here, check this out. Listeners of the ASI podcast, it's me, Russia, bombing down the freeway. I be bombing, I be bombing down the freeway at like well over sixty miles an hour. So, gotta you gotta keep it in range there. All right, how you doing? Do you like that song? It's like been played over and over again in my country. It is the song of the summer. Right? Every summer has a certain soundtrack song to it. And I think that one, in my culture, is going to be that song. You know, 2012 summer. Oh, yeah. That's uh, the top hit right now. And and I played some covers of it because, well, I don't really like the original version that much. It's all right. It was all right the first three times I heard it. But then it's just like, oh, no, stop, please heard that too many times. It's an earworm, right? That song is a Call Me Maybe. One of those songs that gets stuck in your head and you can't make it stop and it just gets in there and plays over and over again. One of those kind of songs. Earworm, that's called. You're welcome. What does that song have to do with the topic? I'll, I'll let you know. But uh, first, take care of some business real quick. 
The website is ASI247.org. There, that's it. That's all I'm going to do. That's, right. that's all I got for you right there. That's, that's the website, ASI247.org. If there's anything you need to do, you can do it there. If you want to email me, if you want to follow me on Twitter, Facebook, uh, you want to leave a donation, man, donations, would, that would be awesome because that actually puts fuel in the tank that keeps this thing on the, uh, the interwebs. Russ at asi247.org. That's the email address. So there you go. Um, another announcement. I no longer have a P.O. box. It's a long story. All right? It's just a long, horrible, bureaucratic... Uh, the post office is just a lame organization. <laughs> Sorry. That's my opinion. I'm just having a hard time with my local post office. I'm sure the post office in your city or the post office that you work for is a wonderful, wonderful institution. But um, the one in my town, uh, you know, people people make mistakes. And and I, I didn't pay the thing on time, so I should be pointing all the fingers back at myself for not paying the thing on time. But anyway... I mailed the check-in late, and they never cashed it, and then I went in, and then they said they were going to call me, and then they gave my post office box to somebody else, when they didn't call me back. It's like you never cashed the check, dude. It's like been two months, man. You didn't cash the check. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm not going to overwhelm you or overburden you with my my postal problems. <laughs> Mr. Postman dubstep there for ya. Is it just me or does all dubstep kinda sound the same like that, right? It's kinda like you like you should be dancing the robot. Anyway, that's enough of that. That's enough of that right there. So what am I gonna do about the post office box situation? I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I might just put my address to my house on the website. You can search around for it. I'll do it in a clever way. You know, it, it just let me know if you're gonna come over. <laughs> right? Don't just show up unannounced. That's rude. Okay? Am I worried about freaks coming and in, in I, I you know I have less fear than I used to, so that in the P.O. box is like 70 bucks a year. It's like $35 every six months or I think it's like 65 every year in, in, in the post office. Anyway, just you want to send letters. I'll just have if you want to donate, you want to do the snail mail thing. I get it. That's cool. Um, I'll put my address on the website somewhere. That's my I guess. Right. Ah, a little coffee this morning. I'm no longer be bombing down the freeway. I'm actually in my house now. That was yesterday I recorded that part. So <laughs> just, just to let you know. A little solve that dissonance, right? Objective. Okay, getting back on topic, bringing it back around to the topic of the show. Um, that song, there's lyrics in that song that I really like. Um, you know, it's like falling in love, letting your heart go, you know, meeting someone. 
And I like how she says in there, you know, the first sign that it's real. That's a big lyric, especially when, you know, you're dealing with the subject matter of, you know, I just met you and this is crazy. And, you know, that kind of your early love, you know, that, that, that pulls some of its brain chemistry, some of its spiritual, I don't know, the connection that we have with people. Before you came in my life, I missed you so bad. I love that lyric, too. The song was written originally by Carly Rae Jemsen. She was a Canadian Idol contestant in the Canadian Idol contest. And, you know, it's, it's wild to see her come in and do this little audition. And, and now she's got, like, the, one of the most popular songs in the world. Humble Beginnings, right? There's a certain cool innocence to that song. That's, you know, it's, yes, it's seeing someone as an object, affections being stirred, and, a, and another person being the object of our affection, right? The object of her love, right? And then, and then having these emotions, having these feelings flow out, putting them to music, and, and you know, I just, I love some of the stuff in that song, you know. Subjective and objective. These are... Two concepts that have been thrown around philosophically since those words in the English language were even defined or put together. You know, it's like, what's a subject and what's an object? I don't know. And these philosophers will get together and point all the way back to Aristotle and Plato. And it's like, dude... You know, can we just bring this down to some common sense, behind your eyes attitude, you know? It's like uh, subjective. Okay, if the subject is, I, I want to look up a subject because I care about birds, you know? I'm angry. I got birds. Angry birds. What are birds? <laughs> I don't know. It's just something I just popped out of my head. I don't know. Anyway, a bird. A bird's an object, right? You can hold a bird in your hand. A bird's not subjective. A bird is an object. A bird is something you can touch, you can taste, you can feel. Chickens taste delicious, by the way. Love me some chicken. Anyway, birds. Object, right? I want to study the subject of birds. What, what you want to study a subject? Wait, Why? Because I care about birds, because I want to learn about birds, because I want to make a better tasting piece of chicken, right? Because that's what's in my heart. Why does an object become a subject? Because I care about it, that's why. Is that common sense or what? Can we just wake the heck up and, and realize that the things that we become objective about are because we care about them and we make them a subject in our own hearts? All right, I, I'm not trying to fry your brain philosophically. I just want to bring a little bit of a little bit of piece of you know common sense to the freaking argument. All right. Anyway, you get what I'm saying, right? You have an object of affection, and that becomes the subject that you want to study, and then your heart gets involved into the object of your affection. And because it's the object is the subject you care about, that becomes very, very real to you, 
all right? Talking about getting real behind your eyes. This is attitude talk, all right? This is stuff that you, you can't break down for everybody else. The philosopher Kant um, wrote about objective realism or philosophical realism and, you know, the objective relativism is birthed out of this kind of thinking when we try and attach it to everybody else, you know? Does that make sense? Like, behind your eyes, you're going, okay, well, the reason truth exists is because, you know, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and it's all subjective. And my reaction to that is you can't look at a chicken and call it a cow. Well, it's maybe your cow, it's my chicken. You know, no, there's truth and there's lies. And, you know, trying to articulate this well, this is a philosophical con concept that I want you to get, man, because it has everything to do with your future, you know? That song, falling in love with someone, having them be the object of your affection, and then your love over time. Man, it's not relativistic. It's not subjective. The Bible's going to say that there is truth and there's lies, and that we believe lies. That we sin because we're infected with sin, and repentance of sin is correcting the course and, and getting ourselves closer to God, letting God love us, letting God shine his, his love on us so we can love others as a result. See, the, the main thing about the laws in the Bible, you know, Jesus says, if you love me, strive to obey the commandments. Obey the commandments. Jesus asks Peter, you know, who betrayed him, by the way. Uh, Peter was a mess. He did a bunch of things wrong. Jesus asks him, after he betrayed him, you know, Jesus asked him, do you love me? Because he could see it, you know, he knows Peter's heart, and Peter was sorry. Peter felt horrible about betraying Jesus. So Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He gives him these, these things to do. Peter's calling, right? See, I used to look at biblical sexual rules and laws as the bad news, right? Oppressive, you know, thinking... I just want to be, I just want to live my life the way I want to do it. I want to do sex the way I want to do it. And that didn't work, man. It left a train wreck. And I really couldn't see, because of my own blindness and my own not seeing past myself, you know, what that love is past just the sex. And I know there's people listening and you've had your heart broken and you're afraid to get into relationship again. You're afraid to, you know, the first signs that it's real. Maybe it's not real because I have my heart broken and I thought it was real and it wasn't, you know. So giving in to this just sexual feel-good thing, you know, it works temporarily, right? It's a functional way of doing sexuality, but... You know, I want to challenge you with the fact that, you know, behind your eyes, all right? For me, it's a fact. you got to get there. Why should you believe it? That's a good question, right? 
And I, I'll challenge you with this. What if it's the good news? What if the biblical way of doing sexuality is actually the good news, not the bad news? Now, I'm not talking about religion, all right? Biblical Christianity is not religion. Sola Scriptura. I'm reformed in theology, right? There's a reason for that. It's being biblical and not religious. Sex isn't just for making babies. It's not just for procreation. I've talked about that a lot in this show. Songs of Solomon, right? God says, eat and drink your fill, you lovers. God made sex. It's his idea because he loves us and he wants us to enjoy our lives. God's not a prude, all right? He made man and woman naked in the garden. He wasn't sitting up there going, oh, I didn't know they would do that. No, it was his idea. I say that, and some of you are like, I know, Russ, I know, but I can't seem to stop, man. I feel the pull, and I keep doing it. Yes, I, I'm realizing that, that someone's not, you know, an object for me to consume. But how do I break the habit? How do you break the habit? Isn't that why you're listening? Isn't that what is going on? The Bible talks about the concept of idolatry, and idolatry and idols aren't these little stone objects that we worship and, and lay down to and worship as gods. Today, they've become more elusive, you know? Today, the, the object is the subject of our affection. The, the object of our affection pouring out can become an idol. It can become like a little... A little, a little thing that you put above God, that you place your hope in, that it's got to, you know, I mean, some people end their lives because this violent little idol will not give them what they, they need and so desire because it was never meant to. That's why God says that, because he loves us. Don't worship idols. Don't make something an object of worship for you. It, that It's affection. It takes place over the creator of, of good things, right? Good things can become God things. Even like partying, right? You know, you hear people in recovery, especially like I was into the party lifestyle and I just had to get out of that party lifestyle. It's like partying's a good thing. It's good to be around people. It's good to fellowship with people, right? That's the, the Christian word for it, fellowship. Check this out. This is from uh, Nehemiah 8.10. See, God isn't out there to steal your joy. He's out there to give parameters and, and rules because he loves us and he wants us to love him so that we can have more joy, not less. Nehemiah 8.10 Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. Right? For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, it, God isn't out there to, to bust up your fun. And I find that funny because a lot of single people, you know, they meet in bars, you know, or parties. They go to places where the alcohol is flowing and fatty foods, you know, like onion rings and french fries, right, are being consumed. 
And, you know, to be honest, come on. The local bar is not the best place to meet a guy or girl who loves Jesus and has a long-term perspective on what freedom means and what it means to really love another human being, okay? <laughs> we agree on that one. Uh, the opposite sex, someone you love, someone you have your affections for, um, that person that you say, call me, maybe, right? That person makes a horrible God. Married guys, your wife makes a horrible God. And maybe some of you have fallen for the temptation of demonizing her because she won't get right or she won't look the way you think she ought to look or she won't serve you in the bedroom the way you think she ought to serve you. So you let your heart grow bitter towards her. Man, don't do that. Repent of that. If she would just get right, my life would go well. My life would be complete. All right, that's making her an idol. If that guy would just love me, would just call me back, would just text me, my life would be complete. Again, it's making that person an object of worship. It's a strong desire. It's a strong affection in a very weak object. And man or woman, it's submitting ourselves to Christ. It's submitting our heart to him and, and realizing that we're not God, that the, the person that we're going to fall in love with on this planet is not God. And relationship works a lot better when we let God be God and, and we submit to him. Now, a woman submitting to a man in the biblical, right, living framework of a relationship does not mean she's an abuse victim, all right? That's small-minded religious thinking. It's realizing that in a relationship, if there's two heads, the thing's a freak, and it's going to be pulled apart because two people are trying to be the boss, and it don't work that way. But men need to be leading like Christ leads the church. When a woman wants to take over, it is because, more often than not, the guy's not doing it. His courage has been eroded. Man, that, this is me, all right? I'm talking about myself here. Some of the stuff I've had to repent of. My wife has had to try and lead because I've been a mess. I had to come to grips with what I was actually putting my hope and faith in at a very deep root level. I had to work through my hurts, my pains. I had to repent of my sin, which could also be called going into recovery and getting over your addictions, right? The kindness of God leads us to repentance in Romans 2. I love that because it's so true. God doesn't shake his fist and you better knock it off, you know. You better stop with your addiction or I'm sending you to hell. No, God is on a rescue mission. Jesus comes into time and space, right? The Son, God in human flesh, incarnate because he loves us on a rescue mission to save us from the hell that we are speeding towards. There is freedom from sexual addiction, all right? I'm living proof. There is freedom from this. I love you guys. I want you to get that. You're not stuck in some deep, dark hole that you can't get out of. You can get over that. You can live a life free, you know, having sexual integrity, not having this thing own you. I don't care how addicted you are. I was the toughest of cases, all right? I had 
had it all, right? The adrenaline, the addiction, the sexual, you know, chemicals at peak levels. I was very severely addicted, and now I'm free. And and not just me, all right? I want to share a couple emails with you um, from listeners to the show. And, you know, if you have some freedom, man, share your story. I want to read it to folks. I want to give people some more hope. It's not just me, all right? I'm not some freak that's varsity discipline and, and happened to stumble into not being a sex addict anymore. It takes work. It's hard. It hurts. But there is freedom, and I'm not the only one. Russ at ASI247, if you want to, uh, 247.org, if you want to share your story. Check this out. This is from, uh, the first one is from a listener. We'll call him Mr. E. He says, I have 10 months clean from all forms of porn and 30 days clean from masturbation and any other forms of sexual addiction. While it is early yet, and I have numerous times in the past failed to quit, this time I know I'm free. I struggled with these addictions for almost two decades, but now I have no pull towards these addictions any longer, and I thank God for it every day. I also have read two books that you recommended, Say Goodbye to Stubborn Sin and Redemption, which gave me a much-needed perspective. The joy I feel and experience now is incredible. I am 39 years old and I am finally free. Please continue to let everyone know that it is possible to be free from sexual addiction. As it says in the Bible, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 13.17 Another listener, um, we'll call him Mr. D. My friend over in uh, the East Coast of the States here. Another great story, man. He sent me an email, said four years, four years clean from this. That's awesome, right? Same with my friend, man. Ten months, that's awesome. You know what? Two weeks, that's awesome. You guys who are out there, don't think, send me your email. You got a week? You didn't think you could do that? I want to hear from you, all right? Other listeners, you mean, you give them hope. But I asked my friend, Mr. D, I said, what would you say to the guy who feels like he's in this deep, dark hole and he just can't get out? What would you say to that guy? And he said, dude, I think of my first few meetings. I can remember meeting guys who didn't jerk off for three weeks and thinking, wow, is that possible? The first big thing for me, seriously, is surrounding myself with others that had a lot of recovery under their belt. I was motivated because recovery was the norm instead of just being the weird guy that couldn't stop. Downloading Pastor Mark's podcast also changed my life. Pastor Mark is my pastor. I talk about him a lot on the show, refer back to some of the stuff he says. Um, Mars Hill Church in Seattle It's growing nationwide now. There's a, a Mars Hill in Southern California, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, Portland, Oregon, it, just 
Anyway, just massive growth last few years. This guy is is amazing. Love Pastor Mark, um, and, and his podcasts are on my website too, as well as well as some some video that the church has put up for free um, from the Real Marriage series. You're having problems with your marriages, guys. Um, watch some of these videos with your spouse. It's just really great stuff. Real Marriage is a book that Pastor Mark and his wife wrote. Um, went to number one on the bestseller list. Uh, this is great stuff in there. Not goofy, Christian-y, religious uh, claptrap, all right? Real, you know, talking about their struggles, real marriage. It's called real marriage for a reason. It's very sexually explicit also because that stuff's important. Like Pastor Mark says, most people getting their sexual advice from the magazine rack at the supermarket nowadays. It's important that a pastor would talk about this type of stuff because it's important. Anyhow, continuing on, this has helped me, where is it? Helped me reconnect with Christ in a healthy, non-toxic, over-religious way. We're only as sick as our secrets, and it took so long to realize that. Christ just wanted to set me free, but I had to surrender it all. I can totally relate to that. At some point, and I've talked about this a lot in the show, but there's some root-level thing in me that just would not surrender. The thing in me that didn't want to trust, the thing in me that didn't want to open up, I, I could, I just, I had such a hard time surrendering my stubborn heart. I, I was just stubborn. That's really what it is. And maybe there's some of you listening who you feel that, like, Christ is after you, you know? You feel his his wooing, you feel his his pulling, you know? I, I, I'm just trying to get into your head to let you realize this is not some goofy religious thing. It's real. Jesus, as the object of my faith, got me through more than all of the self-discipline and all of the willpower that I could muster up, all right? Putting my weak faith in that strong object. The subject was the gospel. The object was Christ. You know? That's the light that I saw that led me out of the dark cavern. Alright? It's also getting around other people. It's also getting around folks and, and trusting yourself around some other people who can come alongside you and love you like Mr. D said. It's having hope and faith and, and getting some folks around you who can love on you, who can pray for you, who can be in your life. I thank God for guys like Mr. E and Mr. D and all of the other folks out there that have recovery and victory and have submitted their stubborn hearts to have their hearts changed rather than just their behavior. Because, man, behavior modification in the long term, man, it just doesn't work long term. Religion and shoving in from the outside some kind of obedience because God's going to get you if you don't is just not true. God gives us grace, the grace we don't deserve. I love you guys. I thank you for your emails. I thank you for um, the donations were, were cool for the summer. The, the bills are paid for a little while here, which is cool. So I thank you guys that, that donated. If you want to send a donation, again, I appreciated it. I hate that money, you know, mammon, <laughs> having to 
ask for that, but that's uh, it's a reality. I love you guys. Um, keep me in your prayers. I'm going on vacation next week. My wife and my son left uh, earlier in the week. I go down there on Tuesday. So it's been, you know, it's going to be, it's a challenge because we're just flat broke. <laughs> so it's it's going to be a weird vacation. But more uh, more than just a time off, it's it's connecting with family and seeing grandma, seeing my wife's family, you know. It's going to be cool. So, again, I love you guys, man. I'm praying for you. Um, praying for, for you guys who struggle. And, you know, I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that there is freedom from this. When you get, when you get back up, when you get back up again, when you get back up again and again and again, when you fall down, you get back up. Having people in your life to help you up, Knowing that Jesus is there to love you, knowing that God is your Father who loves you, who's pulling for you, who, who's wooing, who's you know inviting you in. He knocks at the door. The Bible says, just waiting for you to open it, ready to lift you up when you fall back down, or when you've fallen down. You know, putting a hand up, asking Christ to, to submitting your stubborn heart. Help me up. You know. Help me up. I love you. Help put some people in my life to help me up, you know, in submitting your heart and in, in, in obedience, you know, surrendering to him and, and working through that, being open to the opportunities of, of that happening in your life. Obedience to Christ isn't the bad news, it's the good news. Surrendering your heart to Him gives life. It's not starving you, it's not taking it away. That's not God's idea. Again, John 10 10. I've come to bring life and bring it more abundantly. I'll leave you with a song by a band called Lights. It's a cover of an old punk rock tune by a band called Rancid. It's a great little tune. I, I love this song. Um, this is a really cool acoustic version of it. It's getting back up. What do you do when you fall back down? It's called Falling Back Down. I love you guys. Something to think about. Until next time, bye. Don't worry about me, I'm gonna make it alright Got my enemies cross-haired in my sight Take a bad situation, gonna make it right In the shadow of darkness, I stand in the light See, it's our style to keep it true I've had a bad year, a lot I've gone through I've been knocked out, beat down, black and blue She's not the one coming back for you She's not the one coming back for you If I fall back down you're gonna help me back up again If I fall back down You're gonna be my friend If I fall back down You're gonna help me back up again If I fall back down You're gonna be my friend It takes disaster to learn a lesson Gonna make it through the darkest night some people betray you when it causes treason Gonna make everything alright 
Even if I look and act really crazy On my way down, she betrayed me Now my vision is no longer hazy